Blog Talk Radio. I definitely say what's on my mind. And I don't live with any regret. Radio and TV broadcasting is just in my blood. I'm a Tebo. This is my DNA. And this is the Jennifer Tebow Show. And me, I'm Jennifer Tebow. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Hello and welcome to Monday, July 18th, 2011. Yes, you have officially landed on the Jennifer Tebow Show. And like the intro says, I'm Jennifer Tebow. (laughs) I just crack up every time I hear that intro. You would think someone else had done it for me, but yeah, I'm the creative genius behind that intro. I don't know if I'm Thrilled to admit that or not, but I am. Welcome so much. It is 6 a.m. Central Time on a Monday. Are you ready for what this week has to offer? Uh, In case you don't know where you've landed, you just saw me shoot out a link from Twitter and YouTube like, hey, this is what's happening. Watch it live. And you did. This is the Jennifer Tebow Show. You can either listen to it via Blog Talk Radio Live, or you can watch it. So hello to everyone at Ustream who are watching this show. This show um, is always broadcast. It's really not a show that's catering to the camera, although I tend to ham it up a little bit so you get a chance to see what really happens when I am doing my radio show. But we always do a simulcast on Ustream.tv as well as on Blog Talk Radio. We do the show live because we're hip and cool like that. (laughs) That's the Jennifer Tebow Show. So I really, really, really appreciate you joining in for this very special, fun-filled, and packed show. I just have to say one thing up front. It's hot. Oh, my gosh. It is so hot in Texas. It's one of those where you should say, how hot is it, right? (laughs) It's just hot. I was making jokes. It's so hot right now. I feel like even the devil himself is making plans to go on vacation to somewhere cold. I mean, the Texas slaves were the toughest slaves in all of the United States at the time. I, I just don't. I don't know how they did it. Because, and it's only going to get hotter in Texas. Uh, we are in the midst of a heat wave and just something that is just out of this world. Um, it's kind of interesting to just see um, how people operate during the heat. You know, tempers get a little high when when folks get hot, um, and their patience gets really, you know, short. Their nerves are what my grandmother would call thin, and uh, sometimes you get a chance to see the real people when people are basically extremely uncomfortable. Uh, I did want to give a shout-out to a new program that I kicked off um, officially kicked it off. We'll kick it off today. And uh, so, yeah, I'm giving you a sneak preview of something that I'll kick off this afternoon, which is a Show Me the Give campaign. This is going to be a year-round campaign that I will do until, you know, until I don't have life in my own little body. But Show Me the Give is a giving campaign. It is um, an opportunity for me and uh, one of my companies, Primary Consulting LLC, to prioritize 
and organize the idea of giving. And that's very, very important. Um, many people know me personally know that I always will have this meal for the homeless, shoes for the homeless, blankets for the homeless, and all these different things. Um, but it doesn't seem very organized, so people sometimes are feeling like double dutch, like, you know, how do I jump in and really participate in this giving that all of a sudden I was just like, I'm doing it tomorrow. So I figured instead of always just springing my giving on people, I would organize it into a true campaign and put a little structure around giving as well as um some, I guess, some advance notice for people so that they would exactly know how to give and would really know uh, what they need to do um, in their own community. So that's really what it is. Show Me to Give is is a way for me to organize the influence of giving, the influence I can have on other people. Today at 5 p.m., I'm very proud to be bringing a lot of fans, box fans, um, you know, the kind you plug in it's not so hot, uh, box fans to uh, the Park South YMCA in Dallas. And I will be presenting those fans to the uh, to Omega Sci-Fi. Uh, I'm sorry, I cannot think of the, you know, how, how fraternities always have those two letters, those two Greek letters that designate their chapter. This is a Dallas based chapter is Theta something. Oh, I feel so terrible. It may be Theta Psi, so I'm, I, I apologize. Yes, it is the Theta Psi chapter. Um, I will be presenting that to them. They've been very active in the community to be able to do these large fan drives and take these fans, people who are typically uh, trying to be on fixed in, not trying to be, who are on a fixed income and who are trying to survive, particularly the elderly. I have done a Beat the Heat um, drive, fan drive, personal fan drive for several years. I just can't sit in air condition and watch elderly just make a choice, on, which is sometimes a deadly choice. So this Beat the Heat campaign I have personally is a kickoff and uh, as the first activity under the umbrella of Show Me the Gifts. I certainly do hope that I can influence you and excite you to give, 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 to your community. Um, that's really the only way that we are going to dig ourselves out of where we are today in this economy. If you think about it, we cannot keep continue to be consumers using up the resources within our community and expect there's going to be anything left. We've got to give. We've got to give to our community. Um, many people know, and I've talked about this on the show several times, my grandparents were farmers, and the only way that, you know, People eat is when you plant things and you give into the soil and you nurture your animals. Um, thank you to all those animals. Uh, but that's the only way that you get something back is is really by putting in. So that's what I'm going to tell you for our economy in particular and for the idea of innovation in your community, for the idea of collaboration, of really growing a sense of community where people really do think about you, um, it's going to be through giving. I am, I am totally convinced. And so um, it has been it has been a quiet priority for me. I haven't necessarily made a really big deal about it throughout the years, but I think it's, it's time for just the 
Well, I like to say the average person. Now, do I consider myself an average person? I'm not really average, but I am that. I am this average person that just says that we can give and we can really make a difference. So, shout out to the Show Me to Give campaign. And by the way, Show Me to Give really has to do with if you show me the gift, you show me the gift, then I am going to give you back a reward, uh, which is going to be one of my CDs that are like motivational CDs that are available for purchase, but if you show me the gift, I'll give it to you for free. No shipping, no handling, no nothing. Uh, you just get it as a reward for giving. So as soon as you give, you, you also get back immediately. So just trying to show that ecosystem in front of you. So send me your email, send me your pictures, your video, show me the give, and I will show you the motivational CD and the thank you for giving back to your community. All right. So if you want to dial into the show, because that's something I probably did not tell you already, shame, shame, shame on me, to dial into the show to listen. You can dial in at 347-637-1837. Again, to jump on to the Jennifer Tebow show, it is 347-637-1837. I, I uh, have quite a few people who um, are get up early in the morning to listen to me. I just can't believe it. You guys get, like, extra applause for that. Let's see. Let me give you guys some like. And then we cut the applause like that. How you like that? I really do appreciate you all waking up and being interested and really just being on the show and listening. So it just means a lot that I'm not talking to myself. That's very important. I've done that before, and I don't want to do it anytime soon. All right. So, oh, my gosh, so much to talk about. And as I was prepping the actual show, I wondered if I would have enough time to talk about absolutely everything. Okay. So the first thing, and I talked about this on the last show, and it's so funny uh, that I'm bringing this topic up again, hopefully a different slant than what most of you are used to listening to right now about this topic, and that is the big CA, Casey Anthony. So Casey Anthony uh, walked out of jail. She is with time served on Sunday shortly after midnight. So this was, so we're talking, we are about 18 hours uh, from the time that she walked out of jail. And, you know, they normally release prisoners at midnight, by the way, in case you don't know. They don't keep you any longer than your term suggests. If it ends on a Saturday at 11.59, they process you immediately and, and you go. It was best that she was out, you know, in the middle of the night because there's just a lot of hatred. So let me tell you what I have been really um, amazed by. And I talked about this, at least on the last show, is the amount of people that are emotionally wrapped up in this case. I mean, the amount of people that are emotionally wrapped up is amazing to me. Um, This young woman, 25 years old, um, and at the time was 22 when her baby Kaylee um, was missing, there were, you know, she misled the police, all these things, and then was discovered dead, and 
he had all these, you know, just mounds of stories on what happened and this, that, and the other. I get it. I have a little girl. I get the horror. But here's the thing. I don't have a propensity to potentially kill my child, mislead police, and or live a normal life or live a wild and crazy party life before the world discovers my child is dead and before the world discovers my child is missing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have, so do I feel a connection to Casey Anthony to be super upset or, you know, no, I don't. Um, Is it extremely sad that the world lost a, a small child? Absolutely. It's extremely, extremely sad. Um, but do I feel like this, need to follow this case for the past three years? No. Um, I always say, do you know how many other little children died at the hands of their parents in the past three years? Why is this one so interesting? To me, it demonstrates the power of the media because there were so many other topics we could have gotten emotionally charged with over the past three years. But people are really, truly upset. And then... So, okay, so people are emotionally charged. But then the comments on the blogs, so that's the one thing that's interesting is social media is playing a huge, huge part in exactly uh, what it should play, which is you being able to understand topics, trending, what are people saying. That's what we did not really used to have is this great collection of thoughts. So I'm going to the blogs. I'm, I'm searching trending topics on Twitter. I'm looking and people have just outright hatred. It's actually, um, it is hard to continue to read because it kind of sucks you into this negative space that's unnecessary. But I'm reading this and people are saying such things uh, and they're suggesting violence if they see Casey Anthony um, and calling her, you know, horrible names, baby killer and all those things. And I'm just thinking to myself, you don't even know this woman. You probably are not even, you know, very well acquainted with the case, with the facts of the case, nor are you probably acquainted with the nuances to exactly why she was she was acquitted. Now, there's there's guilty and not guilty, there's acquitted. I don't know if she did it or not, to be honest with you. There are so many other larger issues. I think, for us to be concerned with, for us to be well acquainted with, that I think it's an incredible waste of my time to be that concerned, did she do it or not? And this is just me. This is like my personal faith in God. And I had I had to learn this lesson the hard way when someone did me wrong and I wanted to see their punishment. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to see their punishment. And finally, a woman... Uh, told me when I was in college, she she said, she said, you may never see the punishment that that person may get, but you just have to trust. You have to trust in the ecosystem that we have set up that they're going to receive whatever they're just doing. And that gave me the peace of mind. And I, and I really do think that is how you forgive people. You forgive basically saying there's nothing I can do. I can't make your life tremendously better, Casey Anthony, or tremendously worse. But there's a higher being that has that power, and I'm going to allow that higher being to do that. And so, you know, I would really implore you people that have this 
Yes, I said you people. I said it. You people that have this just energy wrapped around Casey Anthony. Number one, let it go. Forgive this woman. You weren't a part of it. It doesn't make sense. But I do want you to bottle like lightning in a bottle. Bottle that passion and apply it to where it should be. Look at your neighbors. Look at your own family. There's, there are all kinds of horrible things that are happening within each of our families that sometimes we don't pay attention to because we're wrapped up in the wrong thing, okay? So my, my people on Blog Talk Radio, you cannot see these these uh, these googly eyes that I'm making right now, but I'm looking at the camera so that people can understand. You know, it's interesting that you're wrapped up in this, but there's things in your community that need your attention. So stop placing your attention on those things you cannot control. You cannot control the Casey Anthony phenomenon, which is she was acquitted, she is free, she's, she can live in society how she sees fit. The fact that she's going to have book deals probably and everything else is all because you give the woman attention. And yet you've got children every day crying for help because they are the victims of abuse but but society's not hearing that. They're hearing Casey Anthony. So there's something terribly wrong, just terribly, terribly wrong about that. And then, you know, people come up with this comparison between OJ and Michael Jackson, all these people that got off. And again, I say you cannot control what happens. You know, it's funny, and, and I, I made this comment last night when I was talking to a good friend of mine, that it's funny the way society thinks, right? We believe that we should have a, that we have a voice in the Casey Anthony thing. That's why people are blogging like crazy and doing shows and all. We believe that we have a voice, right? And so the Michael Jackson trial, good example. Oh gosh, people went on and on. OJ, on and on. Because we believe we have a voice. But the reality is that was a legal process in which we did not have an opinion. We didn't have a voice. There were only 12 people that had a voice and one alternate, right? We didn't have a voice. So why do we go on and on? It's it's amazing. We don't have a voice. And yet, when it's time to vote, when you do have a voice, you don't express your voice. Why is it? Why is Casey Anthony so much more important to blog about and talk about but voting for your next political leader, your next leader in your community that's not important enough. I absolutely don't get it. I will say if you care enough to blog, if you care enough to have longer than five minutes of a conversation about it, you got to get out and vote, okay? That's also a show me the gift, by the way. You've got to give back to your community and assert your voice where you do have a voice. You do not have a voice in in the court of opinion as far as this is concerned. And, I, and I've said this before, even for things like the NFL CBA, the NBA CBA, and all of these things. I mean, fans are getting so emotionally charged about, you know, they need to play. And I, look, you don't have a voice. If you had a voice, Roger Goodell would have called you and invited you to go sit in the negotiations to help figure this thing out. You don't have a voice in saying that. And if you want that's a change. You gotta go vote first. You gotta get to the place that you do have a voice so that you can make some changes in the outcome. 
I mean, heck, with the NFL, they're not even inviting the retired players. I mean, fans, what makes you think you have a voice? If the retired players, which, you know, by the way, a judge you know, strongly encouraged the NFL to include the retired players because of their lawsuit, if the NFL is not requiring the retired players or is not inviting the retired players, what makes you think that your opinions really matter? Now, I'm not saying necessarily they don't, but what makes you think they do? Uh, and I, I've just been terribly, terribly interested in what people thought about that. Again, if you want to dial into the show, you're listening to the Jennifer Tebow Show. Phone number is six three four seven six three seven one eight three seven. Again, three four seven six three seven one eight three seven. All right. So, another fascinating topic. Uh, that I talked a lot about last night. It's like I had the uh, sh- the sneak preview of the show with with one of my friends. I got all wound up talking about all of, all of the different topics that I wanted to. The next topic that we're going to talk about is hmm, Rupert Murdoch. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it should. There, I took a class, um, a media class in college, uh, that and that media class had great great. Uh, had great information and topics. One of the books that I read, and I can't recall, it's like over there in my bookshelf. Uh, one of the great books that I had to read in this class talked about how many people in media really control the message, right, that goes out in media. And many people know this, that it's been largely talked about that uh, only around five people in the world really own media. So that means five people control the message that you and I see. Um, one of those people undoubtedly is Rupert Murdoch. However, I have often said if there are five people that really control media and news messaging, Rupert Murdoch is not just one of five. He's probably one, two, and three. Uh, he is, which many people don't realize, um, has been in the midst for the past three years building news structures in India so that he really could be the voice and the news voice in an entire country in in, uh, India, which has been largely ignored by mass media, by any level of mass structure. So fascinating. If Rupert Murdoch sounds familiar about every news station that is alive, fits somewhere under the umbrella of the Rupert Murdoch news companies, including major, major structures in the U.K. Fox, by the way, is under the uh, structure as well. Hmm. Interesting. So, well, why does this come up? Well, for the past, let's see, we're in 2011. Since about 2002, it's been publicly known that the police have really been investigating uh, Rupert Murdoch's news organizations uh, for the purpose of trying to figure out how are they getting some of their scoops, right? How is this happening? And then it was discovered, oh, I see how it's happening. Uh, they're tapping in the phone. That's how they're getting the scoop on certain things. And, you know, how are they getting the jump on mm, some facts that are being investigated by police that nobody else knows? that the police have not made public. Well, oh, the almighty dollar certainly speaks because they were paying off police officers as well for their inside tips and information. 
Okay. So does all that sound incredibly illegal, phone taps and paying police officers? Absolutely, yes. Um, what's been interesting is that the paying off of police um, and the phone taps have been known for several years. It's been made public. Why it's taken them so long to begin to make arrests really becomes uh, rather interesting, okay? That becomes rather, rather interesting. Now, this is what I want you to think about. So if Rupert Murdoch controls most of the major news outlets, um, and all, now all of a sudden his news organization, which he closed, by the way, closed a major portion of his news organization in the U.K. If his news organization is being attacked for being unethical, that's, I mean, nobody's putting that in the headlines, but that's, that's what it is, right, being unethical, tapping in the phone lines, paying off police, then who's going to report that? Who is going to really talk about the fact that this news organization has been shady if your boss is the shady one or is the head or the leader of the of the shady structure? So this is where I believe that social media becomes incredibly, incredibly important because how else are you going to find out about this? Surely Fox is not going to talk, hardly talk about this story at all, um, and so we're getting locked out. This really is, and I talked about this yesterday, this is our first opportunity to really witness the omission of a major story, of a major news story. This is going to be our opportunity. I also believe that we will witness the power of media because, and the power of social media. So let's tackle the power of media. I think we're going to see the power of media from the standpoint that we get a chance to see that they really could make a choice not to cover an, an entire issue. That's that's pretty powerful that you could just omit, like a, like a smoke screen. But guess what Fox will put on? Casey Anthony. That's right. They're going to put the smoke screen of a story. So maybe that's the real reason why the media has focused on a story that is so similar, surely, to at least, you know, 100 other stories of mothers being accused of killing their children. Um, but this one in particular, everyone's wrapped themselves around. Um, so maybe that's why. Maybe that's the smoke screen that allows people to not pay, to not pay attention to what's going on. Uh, there have been a couple of arrests made. There's probably going to be some future arrests. Rupert Murnock has not really been implicated as being a person that was arrested, but his but his number two, uh, she went in for questioning, scheduled questioning, and she hadn't walked out yet. She got arrested, actually, when she walked in, and she didn't know that. So we'll see the power of media, right, you know, in our faces, if you're paying attention to what they show you and what they don't show you and how powerful that they really are and bold. Uh, the second thing we'll see is the power of social media, because the social media, I think, is how you're really going to keep up with this story. Social media and even, yes, the blog websites are going to be the only ones bold enough to show the story because they're not controlled, you know, under this Rupert Murdoch umbrella. Now, am I suggesting that Rupert Murdoch will not show the news as it is? I'm not suggesting that. I'm just suggesting that he he and his companies will omit 
uh, will have other stories to show at the time and deem those other stories a higher priority to get out into the news. So um, I'll go back in time for a moment. I'll, I'll go back in time for a moment and we talk about, I've said this before, how can in the times of segregation, how could that fly? I, you know, I used to ask my parents that growing up. How was that okay to see white only and colored bathrooms and you know why was that okay like that just it baffles my mind that in your face in in your face it can be things that are just wrong and society just generally accepts and how could this be and I will say that this is one of those times in my life in my existence where this is how it can be because it's the culture that we've created, the acceptance that we may not see the full story from the news, and we have to accept that the important part is for you to know that you're not getting the full story. Um, that's, that's one of the most important, I think, messages that you've got to get out of this is that you have to know that you're not getting the full story. Now, am I going to, like, backflip back to the original. Stop paying attention to this Casey Anthony stuff, please. Please wrap your energy around well, what's going on in my community. What's going on with uh, energy in the United States? What's going on? Anything, things that you, that are important that you can you know, make an impact on. Stop being fooled by this, what I think is a smokescreen of Casey Anthony because it truly, truly, truly um, does not make any sense whatsoever. Now, there's a man up on the East Coast that, you know, killed a child and dismembered them, and people are like, oh, he's crazy. And it's like the it's like the, the latest crazy person for, for society to really hold on to. And I'm just going, here we go again. You know, we're going to hold on to another potential alleged killer, and we're going to follow this. Till the end, and of course, you know, the man um, pled not guilty to uh, to this horrible crime. And former butcher that you know dismembers a, a child, an eight year old, and it's very, very sad. Um, but it's to me, it's more a signal to society. How could you not see that you lived amongst a, per, a, a among a person that could do this? And what are we doing so that we pay attention? Y'all always say, I'm looking at you in your eyes. I see you. <laughs> I see you. I'm like Mrs. Kravitz at my house. All my neighbors know this. If anything goes down on my street, I'm going to know it. And I am not afraid to call the police if necessary. I, it's not, you know, not under my watch. I always say I'm not going to have a sneaky suspicion about something, but then say, well, Oh, I don't want to look bad because I've called the police. Forget that. I don't want to. I don't want there to be something bad because I did not call the police. Uh, that's that's my theory. But we generally have become very hands off, but mouthy, right? Hands off with helping our fellow man, but very opinionated about what the person should or shouldn't do. Now, the funny thing is, I, I do believe. Some people know the, the facts of the Casey Anthony case in more detail than than even their own lives and what's going on with their own relationships. And, you know, I'm going, something is wrong with that when you know more about a stranger 
and the and the ups and downs that a stranger is experiencing because you're watching the live feed and everything of that nature, but you don't know what's going on with yourself. So that so that's more of a reflection on you, but the media has played that up to a T, and so that's kind of what we pay attention to. So start paying attention, eyes and eyes and ears, as as I used to say to um, younger children when I used to coach them. All right, so enough of that. Enough of that mess. Let's talk sports. Uh, one of my favorite things to actually talk about in sports, NFL. NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, the three things that uh, I find terribly interesting, all of them dealing with CBA uh, talks, right? So collective bargaining uh, agreement. Now, this is what we know. What we know with the NFL is that there are strong, strong reports that the NFL is getting close to an agreement with with, the selling all the terms of their collective bargaining agreement, which by the way will be a 10-year agreement. So this deal they're coming up with, they're going to have to live with for 10 years. Now, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, What is interesting, what is very, very interesting with this deal is that they were supposed to be including the retired player um, in their negotiations. And uh, Joe DeLamalier, in a press conference on June 20th, I think characterized what they were told when they tried, when when players were trying, when he was playing, which was he, he made a comment, and I'm paraphrasing, he said Gene Upshaw told told him while he was a player about the, the then-retired players, they had their chance. And And his response was, We've never had a chance. Retired players have never had a chance to negotiate their retired benefits. And so, and that was one of his his major points, is that that's what you're going to be told, you had your chance. So as if he was a psychic and not really a psychic, it's just because he's seen, unfortunately, and so many of the retired players have seen this story played out time and time again, is that, unfortunately, I heard that coming out of the NFL camp two days ago. You know, we don't necessarily negotiate retired players' benefits. They had their chance to negotiate their retirement benefits when they were playing. Really? Really, NFL, is is that the stance that you're going to take? I mean, really? So you you believe that a young man at 25, 26 years old is able to appropriately negotiate and consider that they could have dementia by 50 and that they're negotiating for that appropriately and that they're going to hold up their ability, their only ability to make millions because they're holding out for for when something might happen? Do you really, I mean, do you really want to say it's the player's fault? I think that's a really bad strategy by the NFL to say you had your chance. But apparently it's a, it's, it's, it's a top it's a top hit in the NFL camp for the song they like to sing. They've been singing it at least by my calculation, according to uh, players, retired players. They've been singing that song for thirty, about thirty or forty years now. Um, that's um, very sad. That's extremely sad. That again we see the same circle of life. You know, people always ask you, you know, why, 
why should we care about history? This is why you care about history. You don't want to repeat history. And right now the NFL is on the verge of repeating history, which is excluding the retired players. It's one thing if the retired players were walking in able-bodied with a nice amount of money and wanting more. They're not asking, you know, for any money that that, that they are not due. It is about their earned benefits. And I think fans who, again, think they have a voice, if you want to have a voice, let me load you up with the information that you need, which is it's not it's not about greed on any side or any stretch of the imagination. It really, really, really is about their earned benefits that many were bamboozled and hoodwinked, yes, I said it, bamboozled and hoodwinked into taking early pensions and early retirement, all these things. And so they really were not allowed the full scope of their benefits and were really deceived as to what they should do. People need to know that. And still today, in your face, the NFL is not inviting the retired players to the negotiation table. So it will be rather fascinating this week to see what happens between the retired players and the NFL, the owners, and the active players as everyone's trying to drive to a point. Now, what is is fascinating as well is that there is this thing called Hall of Fame induction that happens on August 7th. Um, The Hall of Fame induction, as you know, every year the Hall of Fame inducts between four to six players every single year. And this player, I believe, uh, this year I think it's six people that are getting inducted, uh, Dallas's own, Deontay. Sanders is being inducted this year, and there's always a Hall of Fame game that is played, and so this Hall of Fame game is usually played by two teams, and it is like the first preseason game of the NFL season. Well, you know, we can't even get to the point where owners and coaches can legally talk to their players, so because of it, there's been no practice, no nothing, and so if an agreement is not made this week, the Hall of Fame game is, is in jeopardy. And I was talking to my good buddy, Damon Allen, uh, yesterday about this, and he was just like, I mean, he's a football guy, right? 23 years in, in the Canadian Football League, this football flowing through his veins forever. And, and I was saying, well, I mean, if there's, no, if there's no Hall of Fame game, it doesn't stop the induction. The induction has nothing to do with the uh, – with the actual NFL. It's a separate entity. I I believe that the induction can continue. The festivities may look different. Um, Who may show up may look different because if they are still in this lockout period, more than likely you're not going to see coaches showing up to the event, or you do, you probably will. it'll, It'll probably look like segregated times, coaches to the left and, you know, players to the right, and they won't meet in the middle and all this bunch of craziness. So we'll see. What I do know is this is going to be a fast and furious week for the NFL, and I look to see lots of fireworks and drama, unfortunately, unfold. Uh, A sentiment uh, that Carl Eller, who is one of the lead names on a retired player's lawsuit, a sentiment that he and many, many of the players have repeated is that they don't want to stop the game. It's not that they're trying to stop the game of football, but... This is, but they want their voices heard. Their 
rights have been violated and they need to come up with an agreement one way or, or another through mediation or through courts, through the courts, to get their earned benefits. Um, so I will see definitely, I'm looking to see some very impassioned people uh, talking to the public, talking to media, and hopefully talking to each other is what I'd really like to see as they try to come up with what this agreement is. All right, so the NBA, the progress of their collective bargaining agreement. What progress, huh? <laughs> um, it's very sad to see the NBA currently in their lockout period. Uh, they took it uh, they took it to the next level. I talked about this uh, last week. I mean, and talked about this a couple of shows. I mean, when you snatch players' profiles down like they don't exist, at midnight, I'm like, wow, you're you're sending a message to the actor players. Now, here's the deal. NBA really cannot conceivably stay locked out for too long. They just absolutely cannot stay locked out for too long because the NBA has been a league and individual team, many individual teams, 22 uh, to be exact, are losing money. The NBA has been actively um, implementing a reduction in their workforce risk. So they've been laying people off for the past three years. Um, their workforce, they've shrunk it by 30%. And so that's significant. If I'm looking at this from a business standpoint, that's when I say, oh, that business is in trouble. Regardless of what the business is, that's a big reduction in your workforce when you're still trying to put off a huge production uh, which is uh, this worldwide operation because NBA is not just in the United States. It has worldwide implications. They do camps all over the world. They do a lot of things. There's NBA TV. There's a lot of things that happen. So it's, there are huge implications to them closing. I honestly don't, I just don't believe the NBA can make payroll for too long if they go too long into this lockout. Um, so the NBA's collective bargaining agreement and their lockout, a lengthy one, I really think is the potential death um, of an entire professional league. And that's sad. It's very, very sad to watch. Now, what's been happening, a lot of players have been trying to, you know, jump and go play somewhere else. I don't blame them. You know, they're, they're thinking, well, I could go play overseas. They're thinking that would be um, – a smart move depending on 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 how long this uh lockout is is gonna last. And so, you know, I can you know, I can dig that going to play overseas, except for a few things. If anybody knows anything about international basketball. If you know anything about international basketball, what what you will learn is that the courts are far different internationally than they are um, in the United States, meaning the construction of the courts. And what many players complain about in particular is because the courts are not, I don't want to say they're not better, but that's what you'll hear players say, it's very hard on their ankles, their knees, and then consequently their back. Ankles, knees, and back, usually that's, usually that's an injury that just kind of works its, its way up the body. And so players feel like they kind of wear down their body faster playing on courts that are overseas just by the sheer construction of of the actual court. I mean, if you grow up playing in the United States and the construction, the general construction of basketball courts here, 
right or wrong, whether they're better or worse, they're different, and so it changes the mechanics of how you run, how you react on the court. I get it. Okay, so people who go play overseas in the meantime, mind you, overseas would absolutely love it. You know, they're dying for big names. Now, what a lot of people don't know is Kobe Bryant uh, made a comment uh, several years ago that said before he gets, you know, old in the game of basketball, he would take his talent overseas and try to grow the International Basketball Association leagues that are out there that it really becomes world basketball. Um, that He said that would be his contribution to basketball. I found that terribly interesting, uh, that idea and that notion that he would try to grow international basketball. Well, uh, you know, for those of you all who didn't know, so so we've got some people say Deron. I always like to call him Darren, but regardless, Williams. Uh, you know, he signed with uh, the uh, Turkey team. Let me say this right. Uh, oh, what's the name? I was looking at the name. Beth Cattell. Well, it's a team in Turkey. Starts with a B. Can't pronounce it, so we'll just say it's the B team from Turkey. He signed with them for him to get paid. $200,000 a month, which, by the way, is really huge, huge money. If you know anything, anything about international basketball, they pay yeah, better than the average job in the United States, but they don't pay anywhere close to that. They typically are paying between ten to 15000 a month. Um, if you go to Puerto Rico to play, Puerto Rico is usually paying you about six to 8000 a month to play. And so if you add up those numbers of going overseas to play, that's the cash you get. You still have taxes to consider in both countries. You usually have additional expenses, um, living expenses. Normally you're maintaining two households because players that go overseas usually have some kind of family or at least their own house that they've left behind. So it's really kind of an expensive circumstance. So you do need to get paid more than six to $8,000 to $10,000 a month. But if that's your options or if that's your way to work yourself back into the NBA or to the NBA, do what you have to do. Um, and so he signed on for $200,000 a month. And the same team, all right, this, this a B team because I can't pronounce it, the same team is uh, was supposed to be signing Kobe Bryant. Kobe was getting really close to closing a deal of getting paid 450000 a month. And so this team, you know, this 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 superstar all-star team that's got these two NBA players was really going to give a true jump start and kick start to that basketball league. And, well, guess what? Now this team has is like getting into financial trouble, and they're not paying anybody, no money at all. So Kobe's deal is falling apart. Um, and people are like, oh, wow, well, number one, I don't really believe that financially that this is a, that this is a really bad problem for Kobe Bryant, who has made a tremendous amount of money and hopefully been uh, wise with at least a portion of the money. So I, I don't think it was the four hundred fifty thousand that's the problem, but it's just the the idea that this option was cut off, and so something that. And very interesting, if you weren't paying attention to Casey Anthony 24-7 last week, uh, very interesting news 
that happened as well in basketball. And, you know, I wish somebody was on the line so I could ask them if if they knew about this. But Dr. J, um, you know, if the name is familiar, that would be Julius Irving. Uh, Dr. J bought the right to the ABA. He closed the uh, he closed on that deal um, on Friday, I believe. And so the whole thought was to resurrect the ABA so that it can be this alternate league. It's not. Um, it's it's not going to be globe trotter type basketball. It's not going to necessarily be the and one brand of basketball, but it'll be a different, slightly different brand of what you'll see with basketball. Now, here's what I find interesting because this is what everyone was talking about. They're going, oh wow, this is going to be you know great for basketball. This brings in a basketball alternative. Uh, what I, this, this is why I bring these two together. Players in the NBA right now are saying, well, if, there's a, if the lockout goes too long, I'll look overseas. If you have a domestic option to play basketball, how fantastic is that? Instead of having to take your talents to you know, some obscure place that has extreme weather in many places, and by the way, Russia pays really, really well. But who wants to go to Russia uh, all throughout the wintertime, right? Um, and, and there's not saying anything bad about Russia. It's just it's a it's a tremendous difference in climate and the way these guys are used to being and you know their environment they leave and their friends. So if you can stay in the United States and not have to leave your family and friends and still continue playing basketball, either to use it like a developmental league or to use it like a transition out, the NFL has, um, oh, it's not the XFL, uh, they had their little league that that, uh, that they tried out the past couple of years that was designed to be a transition league. So if you were transitioning out of the league but still had, a, still had some good play in you and maybe you could even get picked up again, this was your way to stay in shape, I see the ABA as having just tremendous, tremendous potential. Now, apparently... Dr. J and his son, by the way, those those two, uh, Dr. J the third, and well, Julius Irving the third, those two really uh, would like to see celebrities owning these teams, and they would potentially be in smaller markets. And so, again, you know, one thing I will say, I don't believe, I don't believe that the NBA DL, NBA Developmental League, and an ABA can exist in the same United States. I, I I don't think that. I just don't believe it. But what I do wonder is, at the time where there's maybe a fracture, there's potentially a fracture in exactly you know in the NBA structure. I think this is a, this is an incredible time to bring in the ABA and the idea of a different brand of basketball in a different league that is not impacted by negotiations or whatnot. This is just simply an incredible time for this. And so kudos to Dr. J for, you know, being just, in in my eyes, really, you know, wise. I know he's been working on this for a long time, you know, quite some time, uh, because it's not like it just says, oh, NBA lockout? Okay, let me buy the ABA. But uh, good, good timing to kind of get this thing all done. 
So uh, I'll be excited to kind of see, too. So the NBA, not quite sure where they are in their lockout negotiations. It's still a little pressure, not a lot. This is historically a vacation month for the NBA in, in the month of July. Uh, not that they're taking vacation, but I don't think they necessarily feel the pressure. They're going to begin to feel the pressure late August um, as teams are putting out their, their preseason schedules, their practice schedules, their media days, all of that. All of those days historically start the middle of September on. That's usually when, when players have to stop making their own personal appearance and plans and they kind of go back to the game of basketball in preparation. And so I think the end of August is exactly when we're going to see uh, the uh, pressure and the heat is on. It's a shame that it, it takes time to kind of pressure both sides to um, just to kind of collaborate and, and agree, but that's the way it is. Okay, so I always like to have a little bit of celebrity and so I'll talk a little bit of celebrity uh, this weekend. We actually had a lot of people either getting married or making announcements for a split, which I find ter- terribly interesting. Probably at the top of the trending charts was Jennifer Lopez, uh, J-Lo, uh, and, and, and her husband are no more. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad to see um she and Mark Anthony have been married for seven years, and they have officially announced that they are divorcing. They have, as you know, those two twin babies. Um, Mark Anthony is 42, J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez is 41 years old. This will be her third divorce. This will be his second divorce. Ugh, just a lot of carnage in the world of marriage. They're twins, by the way. Uh, Max and 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 M, I think it's M or, or uh, Emma. They are three years old, so their parents are divorcing. It's very very sad. Um, I really hope that they can actually work it out, um, but I don't know. They kind of come out publicly together, making joint statements. So it sounds like this is something that has been brewing. There have been rumors for a while, uh, but you know that's that. Um, also, I think since the last time that we talked. Uh, Monica, the, the R&B singer Monica, as well as her Laker boyfriend, Shan, uh, Shannon Brown, they uh, renewed their vow, kind of. Not really, I guess it's not a vow renewal when you uh, just kind of got, had a private ceremony first, and now they had this big public ceremony. So they had this big public ceremony. Um, lots of fans, guests, uh, fans, I should say, I should say friends, lots of their closest friends, but lots of those people, and this big, you know, thing that they had. Um, also, Chris Chris Bosch and uh, Adrian is his now new wife's name. They also had a private ceremony right as the NBA season was finalized, uh, or the regular season ended in April, and now they had their big public ta-da, uh, or I should say ta-da, uh, wedding uh, this past weekend, too. I, you know, I don't know. I guess it's popular right now to just hurry up and get married. I don't honestly know what the rush is to hurry up and get married in a private ceremony and then turn around and have this big thing. I'm thinking you just privately do it or you don't. And if you want to have a big party, do. But, gosh, to go through the big party, the bridesmaids and the big hot dress and all that, I mean, I don't know 
who am I to say, but I just think that's a lot. You're going through an awful lot when you do that. I'd rather put that money on something else. Now, the the uh, the big ha-ha-ha was that Chris Bosch's new wife, the new Mrs. Bosch, reportedly bought uh, bought Chris, I think it's a Bentley, it's one of those super-duper high-end, you know, 300,000 plus cars. Uh, she bought that for him as a wedding present. Aw, so nice of her to use her husband's money to buy him an extravagant gift that she's probably going to drive. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. I thought, you know, in as as our economy is struggling, you know, you always like to say, well, in the rich people news, nobody's suffering there. You know, they're they're giving each other rich gifts and, and just ex, ex, extravagant gifts. But hey, that's their money. It's their money to contend with. Just congratulations to uh, those people who got married. I'm I'm very sad to hear about those who are getting divorced, especially Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony. I'm glad to see Jennifer Lopez back to work, having a regular gig. She signed on again for another season of American Idol. So hopefully the show will kind of keep her busy um, as, as well as her two twins. And we'll just kind of see how it goes. So we'll just keep sending good vibrations and good thoughts. All right. So just that fast, like I knew it, and I had some other things to chat about, but I'm going to have to leave them until next week or do a mid-week report. Just like that, it's over. How can it be over that fast? It just doesn't make sense. I do uh, really appreciate you joining in. Looks like I've got two minutes left. Just wanted to tell you why I'm not rushing the Jennifer Tebow Show airs every Monday at 6 a.m. Central Time live. I've got a few people that stuck with me on uh, Ustream the entire broadcast. Thank you. Sorry for looking so sleepy. It's early. Um, and we also broadcast live on Blog Talk Radio with our show. It will always be available immediately on demand on both Blog Talk Radio as well as Ustream.tv. So if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jennifer Tebow, that's my channel, it's the Jennifer Tebow channel. If you go to Ustream.tv, if you just type in the Jennifer Tebow show, it will whisk you to this channel, uh, to the channel, and you can watch any of the shows there. If I'm broadcasting live, that's where you can see it. If I'm not broadcasting live, then um, it's broadcasting live, then then you can also catch all of the recorded videos. Also, all of these are immediately put through. I'm waiting for that 90 seconds. <laughs> all of these shows are immediately put into iTunes, the, the audio version. So I believe this is like show number 58. I think I need to start counting and do something special when I get to like whole numbers, at least 60 or something of the name, whole numbers, even numbers like 60 or some big thing. So I'm, I'm had to do something special for my 60th show. All right, so that's it. Thank you, guys. Please remember to get out there and give in your community. Give, give, give. Show me to give. Go to jennifertebow.com. You can get all the details on show me to give. And I just want to just to share that with you, that share in your community what you give in is what you're going to get back. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to the Jennifer Tebow Show, and just have a super great, fantastic, and all that day, and I just really hope to see you next time. You guys really take care. Bye. Bye.